Welcome to another teaching series from Pastor Reza Safa. For more information on Pastor Reza's teachings and ministry, please visit www.rezasafa.com. Now, the question that I have for you is this. What does resurrection mean to you? Hallelujah. Right now, right this very hour, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to you? He's raised and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Somebody may say, whoopity-woo. What does it mean to you? What does that resurrection mean to me as a believer? Number one, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 1 verse 1, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Number one, resurrection proves that Jesus was who he said he was. Number one, resurrection proves that Jesus' words Every word that Jesus spoke is true. If he was a liar, if he was a charlatan, he would never, the, the grave would never release him. The very fact that he's the only one that is raised from the dead, that tells me that everything he said and everything he did was true. So resurrection does this, seals all the words of Jesus other than any other religion's word. So that proves that this Bible is absolutely true. That means everything Jesus said about all the Old Testament that acknowledges that this book is God's word and there is no shadow in it, there is no wavering in it, it's God's word from Alpha to the Omega. Hallelujah. This proved resurrection of Jesus and we got no faith to stand on. All we got is just empty religion with a whole bunch of promises. But resurrection, because Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is in vain. Resurrection of Jesus to me, it means... That all of his promises for me is true. That I am what the Bible says I am. That I can do what the Bible says I can do. And I have what the Bible says I have. Because the word is sealed. The resurrection sealed his word. If he had power over death, that means... Everything he said is true. Turn over to Romans chapter 4, because if it wasn't, look at all these great philosophers. Look at all these great writers and authors. 
The grave still holds their bones. They had great words, great promises. But Jesus, he is alive. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4. Resurrection of Jesus in verse, Romans 4 verse 24 and 25. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. What does resurrection mean to me today? Number two, the resurrection of Jesus means my debts are fully paid for. He was raised for my justification. Debt cancellation. You know what I'm talking about? Debt cancellation. It means if Jesus had not satisfied the demand of justice, he would have not raised from the dead. That means his sacrifice was good for me. That means my sins are paid for. That means I am free from sin. That means sin has been put away. He appeared in the last time, Bible says, to put away sin. Hallelujah. That means I no longer am a captive of the grave. He rose, it means I'm justified. There is not a document in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that is written against me any longer. None whatsoever. It says canceled on it. I think it was, uh, was it Martin Luther who, uh, the great, reformist, who Satan appeared to him. He said, Martin, you know you've seen a lot, and here's a document against you. And so he goes page after page. He says, that is, says, no, a lot more. Page after page after page. When, when the devil got tired, he said, well, at the end of it, right, the blood of Jesus has washed all my sins away. <laughs> That's what you got to do to the devil. Sometimes slap him with the word. People say you've done this and that, but, 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 I said, but, oh, I got a Romans chapter eight, but turn over Romans chapter eight. Hallelujah. My sins are paid for. No document is against me. Romans chapter eight, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who, everybody say who, shall bring a charge against God's elect? When somebody points the finger at you and start accusing you, say, hey! The Bible says, who shall Bring a charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies me. If God is my attorney at law, if God takes my case 
and pleads my case, who can beat God in his own courtroom? That's a shouting ground right there. Imagine the courtroom of heaven and God is judge. And they brought me before him. They said, this man has done this, 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 this. But God says, I justified him because of the blood of my son. So many of us are still on the condemnation of the old man. We live by the law and senses of the old man. I did this. I did that. I. Who shall bring a charge against you? Did you know the only one who can condemn you? It's you. No, I mean, nobody else. I mean, nobody else can condemn you. But you. That's why the Bible says renew, renew your mind so that you don't beat yourself up. Are you listening to me? Some of us concentrate too much on us. But listen to verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? That means even if I'm making a mistake, he's there at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. Interceding. Father, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. Father, give him the mind. God, Father, help him. Oh, Holy Ghost, help him to understand. Help him to understand. That's why the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is what? And he shall what? What? All our sins. And cleanse from our Iniquities. Hallelujah. So that we don't go back to that chamber again and say, I made it, I made a mess again. But he kept interceding for you. So there is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in the only person who condemns you is that old man on the inside of you. Not renewed by the mind of Christ. That's the only one that the devil uses to condemn you. The devil can condemn you. He ain't got no legal right. It's been paid for. You cannot charge somebody twice with the same crime. It's a law of all, the whole entire universe work. Every country you go, they cannot charge you twice on the same crime. If you serve your sentence for the first crime, they cannot charge you again with it. Impossible. It's impossible. So the devil cannot legally condemn you. 
But he uses that old man, that old poor me man, who lives in the poor me neighborhood. That's the only power he's got. I tell you, resurrection of Jesus changed my address. It did. I used to live in the country of misery. Not Missouri, but misery. It's next to Missouri, but it's misery. I lived in the valley of defeat. Next to the house of poor me. <laughs> the number of my house was victim 23. Why 23? I just came up with a number. <laughs> Let me show it to you. It's all in the word. Ephesians chapter 2, please. Poor me. It's somebody else's. They did it to me. A victim mentality and not a victor. Hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, therefore, verse 11, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. I mean, that was a bad derogatory statement they called us. You uncircumcised Gentile. Means unclean, means fleshly, carnal. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the common wealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no, no hope, country of misery, no hope and without God in the world. That was our address right there. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people still live there. Now listen to what he says in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You know what dead means? Dead means that we had the same nature as Satan himself. Dead means the territory of darkness of Satan. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 8 he says, For you were once... It doesn't say you were in the darkness. It says you were... You were darkness. So darkness was our nature. It wasn't some place we walked in, but it was our very own nature. Go over to understand this. This is very important. Go over to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter, let's see here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. It says in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship? The margin of my book, it says, uh, fellowship meaning being together, oneness. 
What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? So he's comparing the believer with the unbeliever. He's calling you righteousness. He's calling the unbeliever lawlessness. Doesn't say they have lawless deeds. It says they are lawlessness. And what communion has light with darkness? So you believer are called light and the unbeliever is called darkness. Just like he read in Ephesians 5.8. And what accord has Christ with Belial? You are Christ and the unbeliever is Belial. You imagine putting Jesus and Belial in the same house they live together? Impossible. As a matter of fact, let me say it like this. It's impossible, it's not impossible, but it's very hard for you to marry someone who's not in the same level as you spiritually. You will pay a price for it. You want to pray? They want to sit and watch Mark and Mindy. <laughs> Mark and Mindy. They want to go to a movie, you want to go to church. They're believers, but they're carnal. And how many, how many specially ladies compromise in order to have a man in the house? Hallelujah. Oh, if we knew the mind of God. If we knew the mind of God and could wait upon Him. One year with joy is better than 20 years in the misery valley. Okay. <laughs> I, I lost half of the church. <laughs> Come back, God is going to send you a husband. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Glory be to God forevermore. Listen, verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Isn't that amazing? You called God's temple and the unbelievers called idol? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Listen to verse 17, a little off, off the side, but come out from among them and be separate. You know what the world system is? They get married and divorce the second year. That's what is happening these days. Marry, some marriages last about two months, six months. That's the mindset of the world. Our preachers are getting divorced and they say, well, we're learning something through it. The, the, the thing about divorce is getting so bad, we couldn't preach it in our churches because it's a strike in so many families. And if you talk about it, you condemn people. This is how bad it's become. That's the mindset of the world. The Bible says, come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. 
and I will receive you. Listen, you are, you do not need to be with another person to be happy. That's a mindset of the world. The world says, if I'm together with another person, I'll be complete. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, a thousand times no. You are perfect all by yourself. The Bible says, be happy in whatever condition you are in. Hallelujah. I know that's a hard word. We skip over those passages, but it's for your well-being. They're miserable when they're lonely. They're miserable when they're married. It's like they're never happy. There was a song used to say, be happy. Don't worry. The world shouldn't preach that to us. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, but Jesus changed that nature of me. I was living down there in that valley of misery in the country of poor me under the house of victim 23. But Jesus knocked on that door one day. Colossians chapter 1. You can hear the sound of this knocking. Colossians chapter 1. Glory be to God forevermore. Colossians chapter 1. What happened? Jesus knocked on the door. And he said, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and he said, Razor, let's move. I said, where are we going, Lord? He says, get out of this victim mentality country. Poor me country. They did it to me. It was the white man. It was the black man. It was those Chinese now own us. Now it's Chinese. It's Chinese owners. Everybody says the Chinese own us now. It's we borrowing money from Chinese to fight the battle in Iraq. My mama did it to me. My daddy. It was my daddy. He was an alcoholic. He did it to me. It's always somebody else. But I'm here to tell you that old man that was abused, rejected, unloved, that man died with Jesus on the cross. And a new man has risen that is not black, he's not white, he's not blue, he doesn't have an accent, he is not short, he's not tall, he's not fat. He is not ugly. He is absolutely a new species built and made in the image of God himself. I'm telling you, some of us, our problem is we look at ourselves too much. It depresses you. Some of you, it depresses me when I look at no, I'm just kidding. I'm telling you, I was the other day, you know, I bought a machine for $25 and I cut my own hair. And I was in front of that mirror cutting my hair. My Lord, I kept looking at me and I said, oh God, help me out. It's like some of these ladies, they go in front of the mirror, they change this dress. 
It doesn't work. You come back and change another one. It doesn't work. And come back a brand new person. It doesn't work. And they bring the shoes in and it doesn't work. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you might give it up. Nothing works to make you feel good. Sometimes that's the case. But he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed me. Or one translation says translated me or transferred me. He took me from that darkness, from that misery, from that poor me, that victim mentality and said, come on along. And he took me and laid me in his kingdom. That's a shouting round right there. And not only did he do that, he says, into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have. And he sat me there. He said, here, Razor. <laughs> I said, what is it, Lord? He said, it's redemption. I said, what's in it? He said, dig into it. It's everything you need. Thank you for tuning into this series by Pastor Reza Satha. These audio broadcasts are made possible by the support and prayers of viewers like you. For more information on Pastor Reza's teachings and ministry, please visit www.rezasafa.com.